0: Greetings and welcome to the Fantasy Injury Team Podcast. I am your host, Joe D'Amico. We got a tremendous show for you guys today. Today's topic is injury updates. We'll dive into the latest injury news, get you up-to-date analysis from a real doctor of physical therapy on how players are progressing and whether you should draft them or not. With me, as always, is my really good friend, doctor of physical therapy, Tom Kreis. What's going on, Tom? I'm doing great, Joe. How are you doing? It's draft season, baby. It is a draft season. I'm so excited. How many do you have this week? I think every league is this week. Five, five or six of them. I don't want to stretch myself more than that. What do you got this week? I think I've got four this week.
1: I already had a dynasty. We do our rookie draft like right after the actual draft.
0: And then I have another one next week. It is the season better than uh, better than waiting for Christmas, better than waiting for Christmas Eve. The draft is definitely the best part, at least for me, besides for winning championships. It's honestly, so, scarcely it's scarcely non, as that happens.
1: it's <laughs> nonstop fun during the week. Like it's something to look forward to while you're at work all day. It's so fun.
0: And then I just draft my team and sit there and stare at the board. And I'm known for just watching highlight videos of my guys. So as soon as I draft my team, I just go one by one and watch highlight videos on YouTube to psych myself up. <laughs> yeah, well, well. well, here's the thing. The second you're done drafting
1: your team, no matter what year it is, no matter who you picked, you have the best team ever drafted.
0: And you got to show that off. This and best team, my team's better than you here. I start looking at my matchup. It's time, baby. This is the most exciting time of the year. Plus, those of you guys that know me, and even if you don't, I got a baby coming. Uh, My beautiful wife is due. Hopefully, she listens to the podcast on September 4th, so... The baby could come right now while we're recording. It could come during my home league draft, in which case I don't know what I'm going to do, but it's a real exciting time. Back to school for me as a teacher. Tom, this is this might be the biggest week of my life now. That this is a about huge <laughs> week for you. Are you ready for all of this? Legit the biggest week of my life, I think. And, and I can't stop smiling. I'm super excited about uh, it. We're so. excited for you. Well, thank you. So guys, part of what we do here at the Fantasy Injury Team is try to educate you guys, our listeners and sports fans about sports and statistics and injuries, but we want you guys to be able to understand the medical side of sports, you know, not just the statistics, which again, we do as well. But today we wanted to bring on a very, very special guest for you, Tom, uh, maybe a little more special than you. I don't know, you're very, very special. This guy's very, very, very special. But we're bringing on, his name is Dr. Chona, to give fans the inside scoop of what goes into the most significant sports injuries and into the surgeries. So today we're going to talk with him we're going to dive in, talk about the ACL injury, which is significant, as well as the Achilles. Once again, his name is Dr. Deepak Chona. He is an orthopedic sports surgeon. You guys can search him on all sorts of social media at Sports Med Analytics. So it's Sports Med Analytics. He's going to dive in. We've got some, well, Tom, a little bit more medically educated than me, has got some high level questions to ask him. So this is going to be our interview right now with Dr. Deepak Chona. We hope you guys enjoy. So we are here with a very very special guest today, Dr. Deepak Chona. He is an orthopedic sports surgeon. We are so happy to have him on the show today and pick his brain a little bit. You guys can follow him on social media, Sports Med Analytics. He's on all socials. Happy to have you on the show. What's going on, man?
2: Not too much. Thank you very much for having me on. I'm pumped to be here and uh, two weeks from football. So we're almost there. We are so excited.
1: I know Joe just had a draft uh, a few minutes ago. I've got a draft starting pretty soon here. It's, it's that Very time nice. of year.
2: Yeah, totally. I have Dynasty Leagues, Redraft, they're all just popping right now.
1: Yeah, so much fun. So we're, we're really happy to have you on. I think one thing we try to do here at the Fantasy Injury Team is try to educate our listeners, and I'm sure you do as well, on the medical side of things as far as injuries go. Um, We were talking on our show uh, recently about how you two players may have the same injury, but it's not always the same outcome because every human is so unique in so many ways. So one thing that we think our listeners would really appreciate is getting an idea of what goes on during some of these major surgeries, specifically the ACL and the Achilles, because those are two of the, the biggest injuries that we seem to see every year affecting some star players. I know before I went to PT school, I had no idea what went into surgery, um, who all, what, what professions are all in the OR, like what the procedure is like, things like that. So let's start with the ACL. Can you tell us just to start, what tells you that a player is going to need this surgery or just a person in general is going to need this surgery?
2: Yeah. So for an athlete, Uh, especially a high level athlete, anyone who's doing cutting pivoting type sports. So you're thinking any pro football player, but also soccer, basketball, that sort of thing. Uh, If you tear your ACL, the stability of the knee when you're rotating and turning is really what is sacrificed. So it's essentially, you can't play without it. And uh, you, you can kind of feel a lot of times we can diagnose an ACL or hear that the the trainers or the doctors on the field have diagnosed what's likely an ACL, uh, right on the field. And that's just by physical exam of moving the tibia relative to the femur. So seeing how like stable the knee is. And, uh, once the, they have that suspicion for an ACL tear, they got to get an MRI. And that usually shows things pretty clearly. So anytime you have an ACL tear for an athlete, as I said, you're pretty much going to surgery and uh, as we've all come to know that it usually means about a year out for uh, what the actual surgery involves is they replace the ACL, which sits inside of the knee joint, and they replace that with, by taking tissue. There's a few different spots around the knee that they can take that tissue from, but essentially it's an orthopedic surgeon doing, uh, doing a surgery to, to uh, scope out the knee, clean it up, and then put in through some tunnels in the bone, uh, a new graft where that ACL previously was. So it's, as you know, a, a complex recovery afterwards, but the surgery is just the first step.
1: Yeah. Um, can you follow up on the graft selection a little bit? I, um, I think that might be something that some of the listeners are, are unaware of that there's a couple different locations in the body that they can harvest tissue from, uh, to then replace the, the torn ligament with.
2: Totally. It's a good question. And it's something that is being sort of investigated and, and debated in a lot of the orthopedic circles. So the what's still sort of considered the most common in the NFL is, is using a bone block. And so you take the patellar tendon, which sits right on the front of the knee. So it connects the kneecap to the tibia down below. And you take a piece of bone on each end, and then a central strip of that patellar tendon. And so you use that and the idea being that the bone to bone healing is sort of our most reliable and and strongest healing construct. So you can put a bone uh, block in with the graft inside of those tunnels that we were talking about, where you uh, drove the graft through. That is, as I said, still the same, the most common that we're seeing in the NFL. There are some other graft types, you can use the hamstring tendons, but it's, uh, there's some evidence that those result in higher retail rates. So you're seeing those less commonly in high level athletes. Uh, and then one that's gained steam recently is the quadriceps tendon. So it's right above the kneecap and you can take it with, or without a piece of bone from the kneecap, but the uh, quadriceps tendon seems to have some promising results and it's not, I wouldn't say it's commonly used in, in super high level athletes, but it's becoming increasingly. So, so I think that's probably what we're going to see mostly is patellar tendon and quad tendon going forward.
1: Yeah. Interesting. And they all of course had their pros and cons. Um, I know I've, I've treated many patients who have had the, um, patellar tendon graft, and early on in rehab, a lot of times they have a lot of anterior or front of knee pain that can can slow things down initially. But it sounds like in the long term that that's the stronger um, route to go. And then I've I know the hamstring graft. It's not only in a higher ACL re rate, but also you run the risk for hamstring injuries down the road as well.
2: Yeah, and as you can imagine, you take you know you're kind of uh, robbing. Paul to pay Peter, if you will. So you're, you're, you're sacrificing something somewhere, regardless. Uh, what we do know pretty definitively is that for active people and especially high level athletes, you want to use your own tissue. So even though it it is a downside of taking that from the person, uh, it's still more reliable of a repair and stronger of a repair biologically than using a cadaver tissue, which you might see in some older patients.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So there's a lot going on in the OR. Who all is in the OR? How many people are in there and how long does this surgery take?
2: Yeah, so that's a great question. You know, it varies a lot. So in the training program, I uh, when I was at Stanford for residency or, or here mostly at Boston Children's doing uh, fellowship, they have, generally speaking, a trainee. So a fellow or a surgical resident like myself, uh, in addition to an attending orthopedic surgeon, and then in a lot of cases, there's also a physician assistant. So I would say in general, I've done the surgery with two to three people as part of the operating team. And then there's also a, uh, a, a scrub staff person who is helping to sort of like arrange the instruments and give them in a timely manner to the surgeon. So, and then beyond that, there's an anesthesiologist give, making sure the patient's safely asleep. There's a uh, a circulating nurse getting any materials that don't need to be uh, sort of touched sterily arranged as well. So there's a team usually ends up being around five or six people in the OR at a, at a, for a given surgery. And it usually takes somewhere between 45 minutes and depending on how hard things are, an hour and a half.
1: Yeah, One, We're- that's
0: quicker than I thought. And two, that's a lot of people in a room.
1: <laughs> yeah. And that that's yeah when I was a PT student, I had the opportunity to watch some shoulder surgeries and that was the first thing that stuck out. I was like, there's so many people in here. Like, I, I don't know why I didn't think in my head that obviously it's, you know, it was a major pr- procedure happening here. Of course, there needs to be a lot of hands on deck, but again, that's why we wanted you to come on. Cause I think a lot of listeners think it's probably just the surgeon and one other person in there, but it's, it's a whole team. Uh, yeah, last, totally. Yeah. Last couple of questions on the ACL and then we'll, uh, We'll speed off to the Achilles. We always hear that the surgery was successful right after surgery. What does that mean? Because if I think it's one thing for it to be successful right after surgery, but then we're looking long-term. I know you guys are doing a lot of work on what does that really mean as far as an athlete returning successfully?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. You're right. You totally hear almost every time that surgery was a success, what surgery being successful in an ACL means is uh, when they look at the meniscus, so there's often tears in the meniscus, which is sort of like a a shock absorber in the knee. Uh, so when you tear the ACL, that trauma can sometimes tear the meniscus. So it means either they cleaned it up or they repaired that meniscus well. And then regarding the ACL, it means essentially the, the graft that they put in Place of the torn ACL is doing its job. It's in the right position. It looks good, and and the stability of the knee when you test it uh, is pretty solid right after the surgery. And that's that's what it means. And essentially, you know, you should in especially in experienced surgeon's hands, that you would expect that to be almost every time uh, a successful short-term result. Now, the question, as you sort of alluded to, becomes: What about the long term? And there's some aspects of this where the surgeons, it's out of the surgeon's hands. There's some aspects of the biology that do cause a higher risk of arthritis once you've turned your ACL. They do cause further uh, potential for meniscus tears or injury to the cartilage, et cetera. But ultimately, returning to sports is all about recovery of. The strength and the conditioning, and then what we call the neuromuscular coordination, which I know you work a lot with Tom. And it's essentially that ability to make movements fast and, and with balance, uh, when multiple muscle groups are firing almost simultaneously.
1: Yeah, exactly. In in the PT literature, we talk about this 90%, the the surgical leg should be about 90% of the non-surgical and strength in, in various single leg balance tests and functional hop tests and and we're really starting to push that to be more 95% of, right. of the the of the opposite leg cuz we know that those outcomes are much better and then one other thing that Joe and I were talking about earlier is the confidence of the athlete yeah. to return to sport that is such a major factor that it's it's hard to quantify though we do have some like survey type assessments that we can give the athlete to gauge their confidence. But with some of these people, we really need to get a sports psychologist on board. Joe and I were talking about that earlier today.
2: Yeah, it's a great point. And in the orthopedic literature, they have, as you alluded to those surveys, they call it psychological readiness for sport. And uh, it's, it does differ based on, you know, the individual person in it, but it also plays a key role in their readiness and their retail rates.
1: Yeah, it's, I I can't wait for more and more research to come out on that and for sports psychologists to continue to play a huge role. Let's switch gears to the uh, Achilles next. So similar questions. This one's pretty obvious when it needs to be repaired, but tell us like what, what you guys see that indicates that surgery needs to be done.
2: Yeah. So oftentimes you'll see a patient come in saying uh, the most commonly I've seen this in basketball players, but you also see it in. You know anything from pickleball to football, so uh, they often describe like a gunshot type of sound and uh, pain in the back of the heel, and a lot of patients instantly know that they tore their Achilles. So when we what we do is we basically take a look at the calf muscle, and you can often feel a divot where the calf would connect to the back of the ankle to the heel bone, and that divot is essentially where the tendon is torn. So. Uh, Some people will, surgeons will get imaging studies like ultrasounds, MRIs, but for the most part, it's a pretty clear diagnosis when it does happen. And in the typical person, your uh, non-competitive athlete, a lot of times you can treat that non-operatively and there's a growing uh, body of literature to suggest that they have pretty good outcomes when you do so. Ultimately, you're never going to restore the full strength of that tendon and that that muscle unit, if you don't put this, the ends back together. So, uh, what reality is that most people have a still good functional outcome because they're not testing every, you know, iota of their strength, but, uh, for a professional athlete, the standard of care is definitely a surgical repair. Yeah. And, absolutely. Uh, it's, yeah. it's, it's a pretty widespread, I think, consensus, at least as of now, uh, just because you can't really restore that uh, tension to the tendon.
1: Yeah, we we've talked on our show, and and I I wrote about this in our um Achilles tear page on our site that it's the strongest tendon in our body, and it needs to take on some studies say up to ten times the body weight. So for a right. two hundred pound running back, that's two thousand pounds of force it needs to take on. If if the integrity is compromised, it's not going to be able to do that. So they really totally. need to repair it. Um, tell us about that surgery.
2: Yeah. So there's a couple different ways to do that surgery. Essentially, what it all comes down to is opening up the tendon at the tear site. And usually you get a little bit of a gap there and you're sewing the two pieces back together. And uh, when you do that, you're doing your very best to restore what's considered the anatomic tension. So essentially, like the length of the unit before the tear happened. And the problem is sometimes when you have these tears, there's damage to parts of the tendon. So you have to cut pieces of it out and that changes things a little bit. The other aspect to it is that a lot of times you repair something at a fixed tension. And then over time it stretches out a little bit because it's a biologic tissue. And as a result of that specifically, I think is why we see a fair amount of, of high level athletes who rely on quickness really uh, have a setback from an Achilles injury in particular. So there's different ways to do it in terms of how, how big an incision you make and which different suture configurations. And there's a lot of testing that's been done on cadavers, uh, in the past, probably five years or so of these different configurations. So I think we have it relatively optimized, but, uh, always room for improvement as a surgical field.
1: Yeah, I know you were saying on Twitter a month or two ago that there's been some some really recent advances, uh, particular citing Cam Akers. If I remember correctly, there's some like Russian gymnasts recently who made it back to the Olympics in like three or four months. Um, yeah. I don't know if you heard about that one, but I, that was it that sounds like thing. a stretch
0: three or four months.
1: Well, you, 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 I don't know. That's what the report said. But yeah. Um, Yeah, it's it's always so cool to see how every it seems like every five, 10 years, these outcomes from these major injuries just improve dramatically. Like I can remember in the early 2000s when I started really getting into football, ACL tear career was done. Now it's it's a one year setback, one, one and a half year setback.
0: That's also why the data, Tom, that we compiled on the site. Is only from what four or five years ago? You told me I remember when we first started. You're like, don't go back that far because there's been so many advancements. Like, it is unbelievable to see that, like, how how yeah, far it's, we've come.
2: It's a great point, and and it's uh, I'm glad you have that sort of distinction in your data set because if you're looking at Achilles data from ten years ago, you're probably looking at different repair techniques. You may be looking at different sutures involved, which is also part of the thing that's been studied. So essentially, like I said, because that that tension stretches out over time in the Achilles, uh, we try to basically make the strongest construct where the patient can start moving as soon as possible. And that's what's leading to the advancements for guys like Cam Akers. You're going to see James Robinson probably come back reasonably strong. I wouldn't say strong, truly. Uh, we, We do have to look at Cam Akers. He went from 4.3 to 2.6 yards per carry. And there are a lot of factors in that, but he didn't look like himself. He was only six months out, but he didn't look like himself. And uh, I think you're going to see some of that with James Robinson, but probably our data projects him ramping back up to around 90% by midpoint of the season.
1: Yeah. Cool. We, we've, we've talked a lot about how, uh, I mean, at acres ADP in the third round, like we're not willing to bet on him being, the first running back to really come back to a prolific career. But at right. some point it's going to happen, whether it's acres, whether it's Robinson, whether it's somebody a year, two, three, four from now, at some point they're going to return and look really, really good.
2: Yeah. And you know, it, it, I, I don't disagree with you statistically. There's no, it's hard to identify one guy and say, he's going to be the outlier But if there's anybody that's going that's on pace to do it, I would think it would be Cam Akers, and the reason being that he turned the timeline for recovery kind of on its head. He came back in six months, and he uh, also is being force fed. Really, if you look at his playoff touches, he's getting 21 carries or 21 touches a game from Sean McVay, so he's clearly trusted and and then he's in a McVay offense so those kind of factors i mean I, granted i i did take a lot of that analysis from andrew erickson and debro over at fantasy pros but they uh they kind of opened my eyes to some things that may make cam out cam aker's really the mold to break the achilles data
1: yeah and he was so young when he had his injury too
2: right that's a factor for sure
0: some awesome insight man now we're, now we're talking football a little bit this is more down my alley but uh it, it's good totally. to it's good it's good to see these things um will see. Yeah. i mean we're going with our data right like we only have all this data but like you guys keep talking about it, it just keeps getting better and better and i'm not betting on acres, but it's going to happen eventually somebody's going to get back to full you know 100% just a matter of when, but wait, how long does the how long does the Achilles procedure take? I heard you say about the uh, the ACL. Did you mention that one? Uh, no,
2: I haven't yet mentioned, but I would say on average, I mean, uh, you could do it around thirty minutes is probably what it takes, thirty to forty five, uh, for a typical Achilles. It's there's variations based on like how big an incision you make and and uh, how beat up the tendon is, but for the most part, it's a surgically it's on the lower end of the complexity. And, uh, which isn't really, doesn't correspond to its effect, which is kind of on the higher end. So you think it's a little ironic there, but you know, the, like I said, the surgery is really just one part of the puzzle. And then, and then they go into Tom's hands and that is really the bulk of the battle from there.
0: Yeah. I'm just that, amazed at how quickly it goes. Like anytime now yeah. I hear about a procedure or somebody's getting something done. Yeah. If you, if you had to ask me, I would have said, yeah, like a three or four hour thing. I don't know. What the hell do I, what does the average fan know? Like <laughs> no, 30... totally.
2: <laughs> don't yeah, laugh at me,
0: Tom. <laughs> 30 <laughs> minutes. I'm like, well, it's no, unbelievable. That, that's that's, that's exactly why we wanted Dr.
1: Chona to come on because the average fan like you, Joe, that's, I think that's a, a rational thought.
2: Right. And, you know, if, if I were, if I hadn't been doing the surgeries, I would have thought that like something as, that affects people so drastically, like an ACL or an Achilles would be, right. Like you said, hours, uh, it's just that ultimately like the biology of, uh, of the problem biology and the mechanics of the repair are variable complexity, you know, and, and that's really what determines how the, how long the surgery takes, but then the effects of the injury are, are so much different. It's its own, own animal.
0: All right. Well, uh, we appreciate it and wish you the best of luck. You're a guy that I'm not sure I would want to be in a fantasy league with because some of the analysis I just heard was stuff that I've never considered and things like we talk about how we like players at their ADP. You're really getting into it. So it's, uh it was definitely a pleasure to have you on and what's your, uh, g- give yourself a little plug here. Sports med analytics.
2: Yeah. Thank you very much. Uh, again, Deepak Shona with sports med analytics, all one word. Uh, You can find on any uh social media platform, mostly Twitter, TikTok, YouTube, and Instagram. And then we're, we're going to be on sportsmedanalytics.com, but we're reworking our site, so it should be up and running in the next couple of weeks here before football season. And uh, we're, like I said, pumped to uh, to, pumped to be joining y'all and pumped to be in this space where it's so critical and I think we can gain a real edge in, over our Fantasy League opponents.
0: I feel like I got a big edge already just from listening to this and just been getting into the injury <laughs> reports so much. So Totally. True, truly a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. All right. Great interview. Really some good inside information there. It's cool to know what goes into the actual injuries. We just see these big phrases pop up all the time, ACL or even things like MCL, Achilles, hamstring. It's good to know what is actually going inside of it and and going on inside of the human body. It's pretty amazing.
1: It really is. It's it's so interesting how how complex our bodies are and how, you know, one thing somewhere can affect the way we move somewhere else. It's, it's really fascinating. And that's really one of the main things, as you hit on earlier in the show, it's one of the main things we try to provide for our fans and our listeners is not just the numbers behind these injuries, but what is happening that is causing these players to miss so much time, or to not return to, to being the player that they once were.
0: And what is all the hard work that goes into getting back on the field? And it's a lot of hard work. Little personal story. I remember okay. probably about two or three years ago now, had some back problems. I was a young man then, 27 years old, went to uh, a whole bunch of different places wind up telling me, okay, well, actually it starts from your knees and that actually starts from the way that you're walking. So they told me the reason that my back hurt and you're shaking your head over there. You could tell me all this stuff, Tom. The reason that my back hurt for so long is because my feet were not hitting the ground properly. Apparently I walked too heavy. I don't know what's going on, but it, it it is really like genuinely cool to look at like, well, this injury happens possibly because of this. And I think Tom, that's another reason why we see guys that are quote unquote, we don't love the term, but injury prone because they might be compromising elsewhere to make up for a lack of something or lack of whatever it might be. I mean, you even talked a couple episodes back about the way Stafford was throwing and how he kind of slings sideways. Right. And that leads Uh, to a shoulder issue or, or, you know, leads to, yeah. Um, Yeah. And, and and we've, we've hit on that. And that's why we,
1: we, uh, we really look at the injury history as well. You know, I've, I've spoken over and over again about how the ankle sprains or the ankle injuries are going to potentially affect the way someone moves for the remainder of their career, if they don't rehab it properly. And that we talked about with Cam Akers, we talked about with Michael Thomas, how that could be
0: a factor in in what's we're hearing about their injuries in this preseason. And that's our goal. That's what we want to do. We want to get you guys dominating and really prepared for your fantasy drafts, but we're going to hit you guys with these all year long. I mean, there's going to be injuries. It is a relentless, tough physical league and a physical sport We're going to see injuries pop up all year, so make sure you guys give us a listen. We're going to have weekly podcasts, tons of great articles. Once again, as you guys already know, we're the fantasy injury team. We're putting out articles. Tom and Sam just put out some tremendous, really amazing content. Vin Vento, great friend of the show and contributor, has tons of great articles, too. But that's what we're doing here, Tom. We're educating the people. I feel like home. I feel like I'm a teacher all over again, just in a different aspect of the world. Joe, it's preseason for you, too, as a teacher. It's preseason. I went today to set up my classroom a little bit, doing the mental prep, getting ready, getting my rosters ready. It's uh the only wow. thing is there's no draft. I don't get to pick uh, my students. that get to come <laughs> to my could classroom. Could you imagine? But... <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're gonna have a draft for uh, U.S. History one this year. First pick. What what round would you go in in a history draft, Tom? Uh, I don't think you would want me early in that one. Yeah, I don't know if you'd be a sleeper either, Tom. I don't know what you'd really. be. <laughs> you'd be uh. I don't even know. I'm, I'm trying to come up with a player comparison for you. I think I won by the end of the show. Uh, maybe Kenny Galladay. Uh, yeah, that's a, a guy who uh, is paid too much to underwhelm us in, in every time that he uh, has an opportunity to do so. So, All right. So once again, that was Dr. Deepak Chona. Awesome interview. Really good insight there. So we thank him so much for being on the show. And one more time, we'll give him a shout. Sports Med MED Analytics. Sports Med Analytics so let's dive in here, Tom. we got a bunch of injury updates for you. we got about a dozen of them or so. We're going to fly through them. Just talk about guys during the preseason that we've heard a little bit about or in some, some cases a lot about. Tom will give you some medical insight on that, on the injuries, on what's going on with them. I'll give you my fantasy outlook on them, see if anything's changed. But let's start with some wide receivers here, Tom. So guy who is, is now getting drafted early second round. I had him last year a bunch. I love the talent, love the player. A lot of you guys should too, CD Lamb wide receiver 13 last year. We know no, no more Amari Cooper. He's gone. Listen, people are thinking he should be a lock for the top 10. Definitely stepping into that wide receiver one role. He has a laceration on his toe, which requires stitches. According to his quote, uh, it was not on the field. It was while he was doing clown stuff. Um, We don't know exactly what that means, but I don't think it was on the field. But anyway, Tom, what Lacer- first off, what's the word laceration? And then we'll let you well, get into the medical first off, terminology. Doing clown stuff. Aren't those clown shoes huge? Like,
1: how do you cut yourself wearing those things?
0: Uh,
1: <laughs> Over, la- overcompensating, Tom. I don't know. I guess, exactly. Don't... There
0: you go. Overcompensation.
1: Um, a laceration is a fancy word for a cut. Um, and obviously, it was deep enough that it needed stitches. Uh, we don't know exactly how deep. Width. We don't know what part of his toe it was on. Was it on the bottom of the toe, the top of the toe, the side of the toe? was on the bottom of the toe, that would be more concerning, but still not super concerning, um, only because that's the part that's constantly getting contacted with the ground. If it was over a joint, the skin over a joint, then we're, again, a little more concerned, but not really, because every time you would bend that joint, it's going to stretch the, the healing wound. Um, generally, about two to three weeks with the stitches for it to, to heal up to where it can take on pretty good stress again. Uh, but that's dependent on how big and how deep it is, which is information we don't have. But Dallas does not sound overly concerned about him being ready for week one. And this injury was about two weeks ago. So he's he's probably pretty close to being back anyway. No reason to think that this is going to impact the rest of his season.
0: So he has a paper cut and he's going to be fine. Yeah, something like that. And maybe a little more serious than that. Okay, Tom. So laceration, again, just a cut on the toe, some stitches, but... He's going to be okay. I mean, if he was to miss time, which he we are absolutely not saying, it looks like it's totally going to be fine for C.D. Lamb. You'd be able to give a bump to a guy like Schultz, or uh, I mean, Gallup is still hurt, but they have rookie Tolbert there as well. I'm still Tony, sold on Tony I'm Pollard, to, of course. Tony Pollard, yeah. How can I forget him? Um, definitely going to catch a ton of passes this year. Just for fantasy, I don't love Dak this year. I think last year he was going as like the sixth, seventh, eighth quarterback. He still has the weapons. I think they're still going to be a run heavy team. You're going to see Zeke as, as much as people might not like get the ball a ton. Jerry Jones has come out uh, so many times and said, our offense runs through Zeke, which it probably does. We'll see guys like Pollard. We'll see a lot of dump off passes. I think Dak's still a fine option as you're, as a QB one for you, maybe later, you know, QB nine, QB 10, QB 11. Um, but you're, you're pretty big on CD lamb, right? Tom, you like him like the talent, like the player. Oh yeah. I love CD Lamb this year. Um,
1: one interesting thing to to think about now is they just lost their superstar tackle Tyron Smith for possibly the whole season. So he, he protects stacks blind side and that, that's a big loss for this whole offense. I think um, if you want to get cute with the analysis of Tyron Smith's absence, maybe it actually benefits Tony Pollard because he's the player that they get out in space versus Zeke, who they just pound it up the middle with. Um, I think that's just getting a little a little fancy, though. I think that that's a loss for
0: the whole offense so underrated. and we'll try to do a better job too of talking about it. I think we do, but offensive line man. it's it's a, it's I said this before. It's not everything, but it's a lot. and and that's a big a loss. you said that was their left tackle Yeah, yeah. I mean that's a big loss. Still, us at fantasy injury team, at least me and Tom, we're not fading CD lamb for any reason. Should be all systems go. I mean, once again, as we wrap up with him, wide receiver thirteen last year. It can't get worse. No, right? he, he's just that's his, that's his floor. He's that has be to be that. his floor. And I don't think he has the ceiling to be wide receiver one. But he's going to be a wide receiver one. And if you can get this guy late um, or, or mid second round as your wide receiver one, and kind of stabilize your team with another really high end receiver or one of those you know workhorse running backs, I got no problem drafting Lam. Love the guy. So that is Mr. C.D. Lamb. Now on to a guy who I think he's made an appearance on every show, Tom. (laughs) It's Mike Evans. It's Mike Evans. I mean, he's eight years or so in the league. He's only missed. I mean, I always find this miraculous. Missed only seven games in eight seasons. So a guy that plays. Always on the injury list, though. It's so frustrating. And what's that injury? It's the hamstring. It's always the hamstring issue. So he, he suffered another small one. Sat out for two weeks. Um, Now I'm learning, Tom, this is a soft tissue injury, correct? Or no? That's that's correct, Joe. All right. So what's the deal with Evans? Are we concerned with him? We talk about how he plays through pain and plays through these small injuries. But are we we worried about him in any way, Mike Evans?
1: Well, here's the thing. He played in their most recent preseason game. So that tells me he's ready to go for week one. But like we've mentioned before, a previous hamstring injury increases the risk for another by 2.7 times especially in someone who's had such a history of this. That being said, he averages missing less than one game per season. For him, like we, we were just talking about offensive line, I think that is actually what's starting to make me a little concerned with Mike Evans, who's more of a deep threat guy, is their offensive line issues. Brady's not going to have as much time as he'd like to throw. Mike Evans, dot, his average depth of target is 13 yards compared to his teammates, Chris Godwin, who is 7.3, Russell Gage, 9.3, and Leonard Fournette, of course, being a running back, is less at .8 average depth of target. So that means if Brady needs to get the ball out quicker, Evans' counterparts are the ones who typically catch the ball closer to the line of scrimmage, so like a, a quicker throw. So I think the, I'm not concerned about Evans himself, but that O-line situation is starting to get me a little, a little uh, hesitant.
0: Yeah. There, we talked about, I think last show or the show before the O-line is in shambles. I mean, for me, Evans is a guy I've been fading all year. And again, fading at his ADP, you know, there's always a situation where I would draft him, but targets have been down each of the last two seasons. He was outside the top 20 in targets last year Um He's getting older. We know about the Julio Jones signing. Russell Gage is not a superstar in the league, but a guy that does demand some targets. Sure, Tom Brady can support all of these guys. I've been out on Evans pretty much all year. When we first did our ranks, Tom, I actually had Evans at wide receiver five. Now I have him down in the seven, eight, nine range, which again is still top 10. I like other options over him. Um, there's definitely guys that I would take over him for sure. You know, you could take a take take a look at our rankings over at fantasyinjuryteam.com. But again, I'm kind of fading him. It's just always there's always something with him, man. There's always something. He's a guy that's always going to be on the injury report, and I don't know if he's always at 100. percent. I just can't believe that he's always going to be there. And like you talked about, a dot and their offensive line breaking down. Brady's going to have to get the ball out quick. Evans can catch the ball anywhere, but he's been their their deep threat. I don't know how many looks they're going to have, man. I don't know. I'm not loving Evans this year. So that is Mr. Mike Evans. Now on to another guy that I'm fading. His name is Marquise Brown. Got a new home in Arizona. We got Hopkins missing six games. You've drafted him a couple times in some mocks, Tom. I know you like him a little bit because, obviously, without Hopkins, somebody's going to have to eat there. And in a really prolific offense with Kyler Murray. Marquise Brown, though, had a hamstring at the start of camp. Kyler had COVID for a few days, so that might have messed with you know the rhythm a little bit. Still plenty of time. Um, also got arrested for criminal speeding as well. For me, he's another guy that I always see a problem with. He's a guy I wrote an article on against Vin. Doesn't really win after the catch too much. He uh, ranked outside the top 40 in wide receiver efficiency the last two years. He's never finished as top 20. But what we're focused on is another guy with a hamstring, Tom. So what's up with Marquise Brown?
1: his hamstring does not appear to be an issue anymore. That was early in camp. He's reported to be back at hundred percent. He really doesn't have that much of an injury history either. Um, he did have an ankle sprain in 19 we've talked about how those can lead to issues up the chain, but that's more the, the more severe ankle sprains that do that. He missed two games. So that tells me it's probably like a moderate, maybe that's impacting him. Maybe I, unlikely though. Um, and then last year, he missed one game for a, a thigh injury. So really not a huge injury history for Marquise Brown. Overall, I'm really not concerned for him from an injury standpoint. Um, I personally think he's going to do very well to start the season. He has the rapport with Kyler from college. Um, I'm a little concerned when Hopkins comes back because I'm i just such a big Hopkins truther still. Um, I just think that he's going to take
0: there's going to be so many mouths there to feed the second half of the season. I think so too. I, again, it's not the injury. I mean, that, that is a little something, but he had dropped a ton of passes last year. His efficiency, like I said, is never great. Arrested for criminal speeding. It's just like the, all these little things add up. And for me, I'm kind of turning the other way on him. I mean, this guys, again, I would draft over him. Let me ask you, Tom, before we move on to our next guy. We'll do like a little this or that Marquise Brown or so who are you drafting Marquise Brown or Gabriel Davis? Oh, Marquise Brown. Okay. I have it the opposite for me. Marquise Brown or Darnell Mooney. Go Marquise Brown again. Okay. I also have it the opposite way. Marquise Brown or Elijah Moore. Oh, Elijah Moore. Okay. So you like Elijah Moore. All right. Let's do two more here. Rashad Bateman or Marquise Brown oh i think bateman i love bateman i know that the ravens don't love throwing to receivers and mark andrews and the running backs are kind of the the pivot points of their offense but bateman steps in he was a highly touted prospect i like bateman all All right well he he played Uh, well when he played last year too he did okay tom you're gonna laugh at me michael thomas or marquise brown oh
1: come on man you know my answer there
0: and what a transition to our next player Michael Thomas. <laughs> well done. Well uh, done. Tom See Loves Michael Thomas host here. Yeah, right. Okay. Um Tom loves Michael Thomas. We know all about him. What a tremendous amazing talent. Uh, but a big question mark, Tom. I know you don't want to admit it, but there's a lot of question marks. Guy hasn't scored. What was the last time we talked about how his uh the last time he scored a regular uh, it was season like 900 touchdown was days or something? 900 days ago. But like we said, Thomas planted his flag in the Michael Thomas moon or train, like some sort of fantasy football astronaut, but another guy with a hamstring strain. So I kind of know what you're going to say, that you're not concerned, but why don't you talk about about Big Mike a little bit? Well, for
1: the record, I have said that there is concern with Michael Thomas. I'm just willing to take the risk on him, especially if he's going in the fifth or sixth round. Um, All the reports continue to say that he looks like himself, the hamstring injury was very minor and the team's just being cautious with him. Um, This guy has played so many games. He doesn't need to play in the preseason. Um, So all the reports since the original hamstring uh, injury report a week or two ago have been fairly positive. Everything in camp so far other than that has been really positive. I'm still all in on him.
0: I'm finding myself getting a lot of shares of him. Especially if he's gonna go in the sixth round, fifth round. I still question myself. I know you would take him, but let's do two this or that, Tom. Michael Thomas or Cortland Sutton. Ooh, Cortland Sutton. Okay. Yeah, he is ranked a little bit higher on ADP by about three or four spots. How about DK Metcalf or Michael Thomas?
1: Oh. Michael Thomas. I forget where it was. Oh, it was on our um our Mount Rushmore. I had DK on my Mount Rushmore,
0: my bad Mount Rushmore, who's not gonna return their ADP. And Michael Thomas is a guy who will. All right, one more, one more. How about Allen Robinson or Michael Thomas? I know you kind of like both of them.
1: That's a really good one. It depends on my roster construction up to that point. If I have a bunch of safe guys already, I'm gonna go with Michael Thomas in that upside. If I have a bunch of more volatile, high-risk, high-reward guys, I'm going to go with Allen Robinson because he's just so – I think he'll be so steady in that Robert Woods role where we saw Woods finish between like 15 and 20 for three years in a row.
0: I'm with you there. I mean, it's it's about how much risk you want to take. We talk about that a lot. But I know I drafted a quote-unquote floor team for our mock draft, but the more I do mocks and the more now this is draft week, I want to win my league. I'm not interested in third. I'm not interested in fourth. Who's going to win you the league? Who's going to take you over the hump? I think Michael Thomas is your guy. Definitely question marks on it. But Tom, the amount that we talk and the amount that uh, we go over stuff, I think you've convinced me to uh, to grab as many shares as I can of, of MT. That's what I'm here to do, Joe. All right. Guys, do you love your golf coach, but wish the customer experience was more modern and seamless? Try a Struzzi. An innovative golf coach business management platform designed for players and their coaches. Your Estruzi Player Locker makes applying your training material super easy by organizing images, videos, and training notes in chronological order by session. Your coach will love our tools for real-time scheduling, payment processing, and chat. After downloading Astruzzi from the Apple App Store, invite your coach during account setup. That is Estruzzi. Okay, two more wide receivers. Tom, we got my guy. Oh, my New York guy, Kadarius Tony. Tons of articles on him that I've read just watching the guy play and watching him through that little stretch last year where he went off unbelievably athletic, uh, you know, a first round talent, but kind of an endless string of injuries in his young career so far. He's, he's still very young, but his hamstring, another hamstring, man, hamstring was bothering him during individual drills. What is your level of concern with Kadarius, Tony? Because his seems to be a little more serious than some of these other guys. And now we're getting pretty close to week one. What's the deal with him? So out of everyone we've talked
1: about so far, he's the only one that it looks like may not be ready week one. There was a video a couple of days ago of him running routes towards the end zone, and it looked bad. Like He, didn't, he was very hesitant to weight bear on the injured leg no push off at all. That tells me that his hamstring at that point was still hurting him quite a bit. And the way the muscle healing goes is you have this phase where there's the acute inflammation and that's when it really hurts. After that, you have the repair phase where the inflammation is going down, but the tissue is still not at a strong capacity yet. Then you get past that and and you enter what's called the remodeling phase where The tissue starts to regain its strength, its tensile capacity. Plus, there's not really any pain. Typically, that phase is when players will be able to return to to being competitive on the field. But it sounds like Tony, just based off that video, was still in the first phase. He was very clearly in pain. Um, I think I want to say I saw the video four or five days ago. And today is what August 29th season starts in about 11 or 12 days. Um, I think it's a stretch for him to be on the field week one based off the evidence that we have. Dabble says he's hopeful Tony will be ready in the season opener. That's not very reassuring at all. Um, here's the thing. If they're smart, they will not rush him back. If that's the case, you may miss a few weeks of him. You can stash him on your IR if you're in a league that has one. If you're not, talk to your commissioner because every league should have an IR spot. Love that. And then, um, I I mean, by week three, four, something around there, he should be ready to go. And I I agree, he's going to be a very impactful player when he's on the field. If they do rush him back, I would be a little concerned based off what information we have as of right now.
0: Never good to see. Those are all great points. Never good to see a player rush back. I mean, I can go on and on about why he's so good and his talent and upside Again, last year, top five in the NFL against man coverage. The other four guys were Adams. He's a Cup. rookie. That's amazing, unbelievable. Devontae Adams, Cooper Cup, DK Metcalf, DK Metcalf, excuse me, and AJ Brown. He's crazy fun to watch. I'm rooting for him, obviously, as a Giants fan. But again, I don't know if I want to spend draft capital on a guy that he's already. You know, again, we don't love the term injury prone, but every time we've seen his name, it hasn't necessarily been for positive. All these little you know, Nick ups and and things that are going on. So kind of a tough guy to draft, but a guy that's not tough to draft Tom, Saquon Barkley. I think he only sees a benefit from this. Barkley. I can't say enough good things about I'm taking him everywhere. The amount of targets he's going to get. We talked about Kenny Galladay earlier. He's kind of turned to nothing and been a huge disappointment. Um, There's injuries all along that wide receiver core in New York and Tony, who's been banged up a lot it's pretty significant. So Barkley, 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 Barkley. And one more thing, Tom, is I think we, we mention injuries and us in the industry, we talk a lot about these, these players. Right. And I think we, a lot of us or a lot of the people treat them almost like they're not people. And let me tell you what I mean by that. Like these guys are, are people, right? They're human beings. They live through, through struggles and they work their butts off. So I just want to ask you, Tom, about the confidence level. I mean, every injury is going to be different, but I just kind of thought of this, like, if you've ever been hurt, you know, you know, going back to working out or going back to playing a sport, right. You might kind of temper it a little bit and, and go back slowly, but like, is this something that not even just with Kadarius Tony and sorry, it's taken me so long to get the question out, but is, is there, is there a, a level of confidence that these guys need to see or feel like, is that, is that something that goes into this? Absolutely. That is a
1: massive, Factor in returning from injuries, especially the more severe injuries, and especially the ones that happened on the field. So, you know, we talk about C.D. Lamb who injured himself doing clown stuff. The the human psychology does not associate that injury with playing football, whereas a, a running back who tears his ACL in a huge game or something is now going to associate that injury with the game that he loves. And it's going to have a negative connotation towards that game. Now, there's a lot of sports psychology research on this stuff. I would love to get a sports psychologist on our show to talk about this sometimes. So if there's any listening out there, please send us a DM. We would love to have you on, but the one of the last phases of returning to sport after injuries, always getting that confidence back. Stefania Bell of ESPN did it, did an awesome interview with Saquon actually, um, She posted this on her Instagram story a few weeks ago of how he was saying that the confidence he has in his leg this year versus last year is night and day.
0: Um, And and, and you kind of saw that in the way he was running last year, a little bit tentative and just kind of looked hesitant to make cuts that he was making as a rookie when he really burst onto the scene, even back to Penn state as well. Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's such a major factor. I, I can tell you, from personal experience, clinically, I've seen so many patients who are ready physically to return to their sport, but it's their, their own fear is preventing them. And and I've had to refer them to, to counseling or psychology to get over that final barrier.
0: So much of the game is mental. It's, it's, it's something we should definitely look a little bit more into in the future, but that, that was awesome analysis. I'm always just curious too, because again, like we treat them like, all right, he's hurt. Okay. Four to six weeks. And he's back now. Well, it's not always the case. Like there might be some hesitancy there or, or some, you know, just takes a little bit more time for some of these guys. So good answer, Tom. I put you on the spot there. Of course, you nailed it. All right. We've got one more receiver for you, a couple running backs and a tight end, and that will do it for our show. So we're rolling right through here, guys. So we are on to another wide receiver here. Our last one, Deontay Johnson exited the preseason game with a shoulder injury. Looked pretty good. Caught a nice 38-yard pass down the sideline. He landed awkwardly. He was sidelined and eventually sent back to the locker room. What is our level of concern, our worry, our analysis on the target hog, Deontay Johnson? No concern whatsoever. Tomlin
1: already said that if it was a real game, he probably would have been able to go back in, and Deontay Johnson himself has said that he feels fine. Watching the video, uh, I mean, it was hard to see from the angle, at least that I had, but it looked the the impact could have been a minor AC joint injury or just a a general strain or sprain in the shoulder, but uh, nothing really to make of this at this point, he's going to be ready to go week
0: one. Okay. You like him at his ADP somewhere around the fifth round or so I do.
1: I would say I find myself taking guys like Cortland Sutton over him though.
0: Yeah, I can looking at the list. I would take right around him. Guys I would take over him, Michael Thomas, Bateman, I think Allen Robinson, Cortland Sutton, Terry McLaurin, Mike Williams. I would take him over guys, probably like Mooney, Judy, and I were just kind of splitting hairs, but he's been good. I mean, last year it took a ton of targets. The only thing with him is I think that the Steelers are going to throw less. Very, very low A dot last year and not a good catch rate. The reason for his success last year is because Big Ben would just pepper him Eat with him. targets. 10, 11. You could go look, go look at his game log. It's it's ridiculous. 10, 11, 12 targets a game, even more. So I think he's going to get the ball. He commands targets because he's always open, but he's not always open deep down the field. And that's a guy that I'm kind of looking for a little bit more. George Pickens has really emerged. He looks really, really good. Claypool is a beast. We know Najee Harris. I just don't know. briarmuth is, is in his second year and he looked really good last year. Yeah. He's a viable tight end. I mean, I just don't know who's going to be throwing the ball. Mitch Trubisky, Kenny Pickett. Again, Deontay Johnson's awesome, but I just don't love the upside there. You know, there's guys, like I said, that I would take over him as well. So, okay, before we go, we have five players left, but if you've listened this far, you will be rewarded, ladies and gentlemen. You know what time it is. It is time for our trivia question of the day. So quick reminder, what we are doing here is on our last episode, this is episode seven, on episode six, and also on our next episode, episode eight, We are asking you, the listener, one fun trivia question. You can answer us by sending us a message on Twitter at injury underscore fantasy for every correct answer. So you're only allowed one answer per question. But for every answer, your name goes into a drawing, every correct answer. Your name goes into a drawing. And, Tom, it's time to tell them about the jersey that we got. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to make this fun. We got two jerseys here, both signed. Both with all their authentication and both framed. We've got a Dalvin Cook jersey, which looks really freaking sweet, and we've got an Austin Eckler jersey signed, and it looks really, really we've sweet. Got two first round running backs. I we made a promise. I told you we weren't getting any any schlubs. None of these late guys, right? So if you win our first contest, a contest here, we will give you the choice of the player that you want, whether you want Cook or you want Eckler. So, if you want to go back and get another entry, if this is the first time hearing about it, go listen to our last show. But without further ado, here's our question for this show. In the last 20 years, this could be any position, the last 20 years in a PPR setting, who is the player who scored the most fantasy points in a single game? So, I'll ask it one more time. In the last 20 years, we're talking about a full PPR. What player scored the most points in one? single game there's a lot of good players to pick from <laughs> in the last 20 years it took Tom a little bit of time to get the guy he eventually got him but there's and we talked about this guy I'm not, I'm not even going to tell you how many points he scored it's laughable but imagine having this person and losing like you just, just you just need to quit for forever at that point you're, you're, just, you're just out at that point it's, it's unbelievable. So. All right, guys, you can get up to three entries. And you know what? We're feeling super generous today. It's summer. I got a baby coming. I got five drafts this week. We're feeling real good. You can win another entry. So we're going to give you a chance right now to win a fourth entry. All you have to do is we're going to post a tweet in the next 24 hours or so about this contest. All you need to do is reply and tag three people, three friends, any of your friends that you want who love fantasy football, who might like us. Tag us in it, tag the three friends in the tweet, and we will give you an extra entry. So you can win up to four entries to win. And Tom, these things ain't cheap, man. Or you want to put it in your basement or you want to uh, flaunt it to your friends, or maybe it's one of your favorite players. There are two studs right there. So we wish you luck on the question. Hopefully, you do as well as Tom did. He did take a little time, but uh, we'll see what happens here. So got it eventually. He gets it eventually. All right, five players left here. Talk about some running backs. Another guy that is a frequent guest on our show, Cam Akers. tory's Achilles in July of 2021, frequently been held out of practice this preseason. McVeigh is saying that he's still, which is not surprising to us, still not operating at 100%. What are we thinking there with, with Cam Akers?
1: So apparently today was the first day he returned to 100%. Um, of course, them being in California, their practices are a little bit later. So that report just recently came out. Um, we talked, we've talked about this before, you know, he's got the Achilles injury. He also has a history of a high ankle sprain. So there's two ankle injuries that can lead to further injuries down up the chain in the future. I wouldn't be surprised if he's a guy that continues to pop up on the injury report, whether it's a minor one or, or something more significant happens. We've talked about all summer long, how we are so out on this guy at his ADP, which is currently in the third round. Um, the injury risk is is too high. No running back has ever really been a productive running back after an Achilles injury. He could be the first, but I'm not taking that that chance. And his counterpart, Daryl Henderson, has returned to practice a few days ago, and he's just really good. They're both going to get the ball. Like This is not going to be Todd Gurley getting the ball 30 times a game like it was for the Rams in the past.
0: Somebody's going to draft Cam Akers. It's not going to be me. It's Not going to be you, I think. If you guys want exposure to this backfield and to this awesome offense, just take Henderson, take him eight, nine, ten rounds later. Right? I'm out on acres at his ADP, all these different concerns that we have. Um, I'm kind of avoiding him at all costs. Okay, next guy is a guy that I'm not avoiding at all costs, Najee Harris. So he just came out, I think, maybe yesterday, or the day. yeah, it was, it was yesterday, really kind of out of left field, out of nowhere that he's been dealing with. It's the same injury. Travis Etienne had, right, Tom? A Liz Frank sprain? Yes, uh, much different severity. Okay, so why don't you talk about him a little bit, Najee Harris? I mean, he, he just played, right? Didn't he just play in the last preseason yeah. game? Yeah, he played a
1: couple of days ago. So, yeah, that was kind of weird that that report came out after he just played like a full half in the preseason game. Um, apparently, four or five weeks ago, he had the Liz Frank injury. And w- we, we need to remember that every injury has a spectrum. Almost every injury has a spectrum of severity. The Liz Frank, what that indicates, that word Liz Frank indicates the midfoot, the mid portion of the foot. There's several joints there. There's several bones that can be injured there, some more severe than others. And then, of course, the degree of either a sprain of the ligament or the fracture of the bone is going to play a role in how long they're out for. So we just heard about Matt Corral out for the season. We just heard about basketball player Chet Holmgren out for the season with this injury. Uh, That's not always the case, though. That was the case with Travis Etienne as well. But think about another Steelers running back who had this injury uh, about nine years ago, Le'Veon Bell. His rookie season training camp had the same injury, missed the first three games of the season. And as a rookie missing three games, he still went on to be the running back 14 that year. He had 1,200 all-purpose yards and eight touchdowns. Um, Sam did a really good job in our Liz Frank injury page on fantasyinjuryteam.com. He he found some really good... uh, evidence as far as what the medical literature shows for this injury 92.9 percent of 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 athletes with this injury return to playing and performance is hardly impacted at all there is not a statistical decline in performance so at this point i i'm not overly concerned um it sounds like he's they wouldn't have put him in a preseason game if he wasn't over this
0: yeah no way it, again it's just something that came so randomly tom that i was shocked to hear that i was like he's been dealing with this but there is no way if they're worried about him, the Steelers, they're playing him in the preseason game. So Harris, we're not really worried about. Again, he's a guy that's probably not going to win you your league. He's not going to lose you your league, though. Uh, Their line is drastically improved. They got Mason Cole, James Daniels, big and strong, made it through all the games last year. Um, You know, No Ben, they might rely on the run a lot more, so I still like Harris. So good analysis, Tom. We're not really worried there. A couple more players here for you, so. Kenneth Walker III hernia repair. So, according to Google, Tom and some resources, (laughs) out uh, or or excuse me, a hernia repair usually takes players about four to six weeks to fully recover from.
2: Do we think he's going to be
0: ready for the regular season? Is that what we're looking at, or are we concerned with him? Uh, The Most of the regular season he'll be there,
1: but that week one, sorry. Oh, (laughs) no, no. I phrased that totally wrong. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) That's very unlikely, though. The the time that the injury occurred or that the surgery occurred four weeks after that would be September 12th, which is a day after week one and six weeks after that would be September 26th, which is a day after week three. So t- typically they're not going to be cleared for contact, for weightlifting, for any any kind of exertion before the four-week standpoint or four-week time point. With him being a professional athlete, maybe he will get cleared at four weeks, which would allow him to play week two. But I, I don't know why Seattle would rush him back because this is the type of thing that that surgery gets disrupted. They need to do the surgery again. And then it's another four to six weeks. Uh, and they have Rashad Penny, Travis Homer is still there and he's not great, but he's been reliable for them for several years. I don't see why they would rush him back before about week three or
0: four. Okay. And it's the fact that he's a rookie too, that makes me a lot more cautious to even think about drafting him. He was already going late, but a rookie that's already going to miss the start of the season, which is so significant to his learning curve and to understanding the offense and getting out there and getting reps in a real live football atmosphere I think he's a big avoid for me. And I think Rashad Penny is a big, what's the opposite of avoid, Tom? Bye. Sure. Okay. Bye, Sell. Okay. Uh, so we are definitely in on Penny and out on Walker just because of, of the injury restraints there. One more running back. So we got this news last night. Really, really sad and unfortunate news. And we feel terrible for him. It's Brian Robinson. He was shot in the glute and the lower leg, thankfully. They're not life-threatening, scary news though. I was out golfing and, and I got the tweet, I think from Sheft or whatever. And it was just like a bombshell. I mean, it was just so surprising because Robinson was a guy who I was taking in a lot of leagues. He, he was really good. I think he went, where did he go? Alabama I was watching some tape on him. Yeah. Alabama he Looked great, but you just, I mean, you hate to see this for any human being on the earth, but a, a guy that, that looked like he had a lot of promise, but I know you don't have too much experience in dealing with something like this, Tom, but any analysis on Brian Robinson and and that, if we want to call it an injury, I guess getting shot. I mean, that's so, so unfortunate.
1: Yeah. Right. Well, the first thing, like you said, we need to all remember, these are people first before they're football players. That's the most important thing here. It's so good to hear that he's doing well. Um, a report I read a little while ago is that he may be getting released from the hospital today, which is awesome. Um, it, as far as gunshots go, I mean, they're so variable. It depends what they, what the bullet penetrated, how deep it got, where it was. Um, the glute is the biggest, strongest muscle we have in our body and it doesn't really protect any major organs. So if you're going to get shot somewhere, that's not the worst place. That being said, depending on the degree of damage the bullet did to his muscles, like I said, that's our biggest, strongest muscle we have. There's no guarantee that he'll get that muscle back. Um, but again, I don't know how, how deep it, the bullet went. It may have not been that severe there though. As far as the lower leg goes, I'm thinking that means calf, but it could also mean shin. Um, with there, again, the calf muscles, a, a big muscle that, is implicated in running and cutting and jumping and and generating power. So again, it depends on the depth of the the shot and how much damage it did to that muscle. And if that muscle can regain its strength, the other thing in the calf that we're concerned about is there's some nerves there. If there's any nerve damage from this, then that is going to really, really impact his ability to get back to playing football. We hope that that's not the case, but at this time, we don't know. We're not speculating anything. We are we'll need to keep waiting for more reports, but we hope that he that we hope that he's doing well.
0: 100% agree, Tom. Yeah, mm-hmm. our hearts and prayers are out to him. We're just happy that he's doing well and like you said he's out of the mm-hmm. hospital, so thank God for that and we will definitely monitor that. So, our last player is a tight end, Darren Waller, super talented guy, dealing with a hamstring injury that seems to be one of the themes of the show, Tom, hamstring. They're looking to sign him to or, or give him a, another contract to make him one of the highest paid tight ends in football. But again, dealing with the hamstring, what's our severity level there? Well, we don't really know because there hasn't been a whole lot of reports on
1: the, on the severity of the hamstring injury. We know he's missed a lot of time, but now that we're hearing about this new contract, there's a lot of speculation that, yeah, he got injured, but maybe it was more of a hold in type situation hold in for the new contract if as why he he wasn't practicing. We don't know that. that's just some reports that I've seen that that could be the case. um But regardless, I mean, we know he's super talented. so as soon as he is back on the field, we he's a terrific asset. As far as the stats on tight ends, how they're affected by this injury, It's a modest decline in the first game back from this injury. They average 1.9 points per game below their pre-injury baseline with only 33% of them meeting their pre-injury baseline the first game, but they're pretty much back to normal in games two and three. So let's say that he is to start week one. Maybe you would expect a little decline in performance there, but not like he'd be back to his baseline by week
0: two. Okay, fair enough. And if he was to miss any time, I think we would definitely see a bump in Hunter Renfro, uh, I don't know how much more we could really bump up Devonte Adams, but just something, again, to monitor. And it's so important for you guys and for us just to monitor injuries closely and check out our website, guys. Stats don't lie. Listen, trends tell the truth. I mean, it's not going to be 100%, right? But go look and see how do players perform? How do tight ends or running backs perform one game after dealing with a Liz Frank injury or a hamstring or a torn Achilles Check it out. Extrapolate it over time. Make decisions for yourself. That's what we're here to do, Tom. Educate the people.
1: That's right. Especially the hamstring. That's our biggest sample size for any of these injuries. There's some
0: really telling trends there. Right. All right. Well, that about wraps up our show. We hope you guys love the show. We love recording this for you guys. Once again, Tom. Big week for me, man. Big week for you. I got the baby and some drafts. You just uh, got we're, some. Drafts. We're so That's excited for exciting. you. We're excited <laughs> for you and Brittany and and your soon to be daughter Avery. Well, thank you so much, guys. Just a couple of reminders. Um, Don't forget to answer that question. If you guys want to get an extra entry, you can tag us and tag three of your friends in it. And listen, if you guys have any questions, now that we're right around the corner here from drafts, people are already drafting. If you guys want to send us draft questions, message us on Instagram or, or message Tom or message us on Twitter, whatever you guys want to do. We're here for you. We would love to hear from you guys. But as always, from the Fantasy Injury team, thank you guys so much
2: for listening. And we'll see you guys next time.